As some of you know, uh, one more Gyeongmunnim priest uh, has been assigned to join us this year. Well, we don't know yet when she will arrive. In order to create a room for her, I recently moved to the room across the hall that uh, we have been using for our guests. When Reverend Ginger told me to move to the other room, I was not excited. <laughs> I have used the same room since 2005 and I had become comfortable there. I wondered why I had some resistance or reluctance to move. I did not know that I have a nature that does not like change once I feel comfortable. My bedroom had become my comfort zone and moving out of the comfort zone was not super exciting. Although the guest room I was moving into has better features <laughs> such as more space, a bigger bed, bright windows, and its own separate bathroom. Moving out of the room I had used for the last 13 years made me see that I had attachments to that space. When we have a deliverance service for a departed spirit, one of the prayers goes like this. Oh dear deceased one, may you release any attachments or difficult feelings about your family, friends, and the places where you lived. One of our neighbors has a house that is more than 100 years old. The owner of the house is Ned, who is a very, very kind person. He allows us to use their parking lot when we have a big events. He had a tenant named Shirley who lived there for more than 30 years. But several years ago, she died from ALS. Once when I visited her, she was so weak and she could not communicate much. She had a sad ending to her life. After she died, Ned worked on the house, making the indoor space tidier. Then he put up a full rent sign. Many people were interested, but for years he could not find a tenant who wanted it. Finally, he decided to let his son move into the house. So I suggested to Ned that he offer a seven-time deliverance service to honor Shirley's spirit and her life. In that way, we can let go of her spirit. We both knew how much she liked being in that house. For the services, Ned wrote a letter to his longtime tenant friend expressing how sorry he was for not visiting her when she was dying. He acknowledged how much Shirley loved the house and liked to spend 
time outside on its property during the summer months. Ned asked her spirit to kindly create a space for his son. His letter was so sincere and I was deeply moved. Who knows, Charlie's spirit might have moved on a long time ago. And it could be just accidental that Ned could not find any tenant for years. However, whether or not we own a house, we can easily develop attachments to our living spaces. These attachments can travel anywhere in our consciousness. Now, in our temple residence, I often find that I am naturally walking into my old room, forgetting that it is no longer mine. <laughs> when one of the visiting Gyeongmunim, Reverend Huang, was there, she used the room and I often walked in while she was resting. <laughs> I was surprised to catch myself unconsciously walking into the room, not realizing that I had moved to the other room and that is now occupied by someone else. When we look at ourselves, we have a tendency to prefer where we sit or where we park our cars. When Reverend Ginger and I go to the workout class together, I noticed that Ginger likes to walk out either on the right or on the left side of the room. I prefer to be in the front, <laughs> right near the instructor. <laughs> One day I was late for the class and I felt shy about barging to the front. So I stayed in the back row. I soon felt a bit disconnected. So little by little during the class, I started to inch closer to the teacher. <laughs> Noticing my attachment to my spot in the gym class and to my old room, I now try to be aware of my fixation on a particular spot or place. This chanting booklet has been used for the last several years. Before then, we had to change the version of our chants almost every three years. So some of you expressed that when you had just memorized all of the chants, we changed them all. So dear friends, please be ready. <laughs> it is about that time again. <laughs> we are lucky. Um, that one Buddhism in the U.S. is still young and we are flexible enough to have room to change and update our scriptures and chanting booklets. We have a great opportunity to practice our non-fixated mind and non-attachment to our Dharma study materials. You know, if you visit other temples or the one Dharma center, their chanting versions are slightly different from our ours. Last year, when I visited the One Institute graduate school in Philadelphia, I was shocked by their version. 
The version they use is from Dr. Bong Gil-jung's book. His translation is perfectly fine, but I always think it is rather academic and not the best fit for sutra chanting meditation session. So during morning meditation at the One Institute, I made an extra mindful effort to empty my judging thoughts and faithfully chant their version. I did not let the North Carolina's temple version pop out of my mouth. <laughs> when you, our temple folks, visit other centers, I hope your evolved practice manifests by <laughs> applying non-attachment to whatever version of translation is available. You got it, Logan, when you go to Ondrama Center? Yes. <laughs> The alchemy of cultivating non-attachment. The alchemy for cultivating non-attachment is achieved through meditation practice. Through our meditation practice, we get to see we don't need to attach to. We get to see everything is constantly changing and impermanent. Meditation practice means cultivating one's spirit, capital S, spirit. Spirit, 정신. Spirit, 정신. This means the state in which the mind, being clear and round, calm and tranquil, and is free from a tendency toward discrimination and attachment. Can you repeat that? Jongshin. <laughs> Spirit means that state in which the mind, being clear and round, calm and tranquil, is free from a tendency of what? Discrimination and attachment. So th through meditation, we are cultivating that state of mind. So then, what does cultivating mean? Okay, cultivating suyang. Suyang. Suyang means nourishing, nourishing that spirit that is clear and round, calm and tranquil by one, internally, Letting go of any tendency towards what? Yeah, discriminating judgment and attachment. Two, externally not being enticed by distracting sensory condition. Okay, so two ways, internally and externally. The founding master said, every day, People must frequently develop and cultivate the practice of non-attachment. He said, for those with a strong attachments to wealth, fame, sexual desire, and profit, to spouse, children, relatives, or to clothe 
food and shelter, their worries and suffering will be much greater, greater than that of average people. When those things vanish before their eyes, there will be so much suffering. That would be a real hell on earth. Even when they die, they will again be dragged around by their attachments, unable to free themselves, and will end up falling into the sea of transgressive karma. How could you not be cautious about this? For me, switching rooms has been a liberating experience, especially letting go of books and belongings I hardly used. I now feel hopeful and confident that I can let go of all of my personal belongings and old files. What about our attachment clinging to ideas? Letting go of physical belongings can be a piece of cake compared to releasing a grasping mind and its fixed beliefs. What about our attachment to relationships? Can you love your dogs and cats without attachment? <coughs> Can you love your children without attachment? Can you love your spouse or partner without attachment? Among all the attachments we have, human relationships can be king. Attachment theory. Attachment theory is a psychological model that attempts to describe the dynamics of long-term and short-term interpersonal relationships between humans. According to this theory, your relationships can manifest as secure attachment, anxious avoidant attachment, or anxious ambivalent attachment. It says that these different styles of attachments are a result of the relationship between you and your parents from your childhood. If you experience insecure attachment, you are more likely to suffer in your relationships. You know, just between us, strong attachments can be disturbing. <laughs> Have you ever suffered from strong emotional and physical attachments in your relationships? Have you? Yesterday, um, the other day in Raleigh, we had a day-long retreat and one of the participants shared that through the retreat, she wanted to let go of her young adult daughter. She has suffered enough from a constant worried thoughts and finally she's emotionally ready to let her grown-up daughter to go out on her own. She has come to realize that tightly holding on to her daughter with her expectations bring more sufferings to her and even to her own daughter. There is a Buddhist song with a lyric like this. How much more should I suffer in order to learn to let go of my attachments? 
how much should I suffer in order to learn to let go of my attachments? So many enlightened teachers have warned about attachments. One of the sutras in, says, Buddha said, the path of attachment is like holding a torch. Imagine this is torch, holding a torch. <laughs> holding a torch with the wind blowing towards you. The foolish one will keep holding the torch and end up burning their hand. If you have excessive attachment, it will burn up your body and ruin your life. One of the students, Yi Chengchun, asked, does the mind of a great person of the way, does the mind of a great person of the way have any attachment? Sotesan, our teacher said, if the mind has attachments, that person is not a person of the way. Chengchun asked again, well, even Chengsan loves his children. Does that mean his mind is attached? Chengsan, uh, you know, uh, was one of the enlightened, most enlightened student at the time. So founding teacher said, would you call insentient wood and rocks persons of the way? Attachment means that one is so attached that one cannot bear to leave another person behind. Or one so wants to see that person when separated that he or she cannot proceed in his own practice or work. That does not happen to Jung-san. <laughs> this conversation elaborates that if your mind cannot bear to be separated from the object of your love, you are on the brink of attachment and suffering. Master Chongsan said, there are three treasures one should acquire before death. One, merit from good deeds. You've been very kind, generous on your life journey, that you. That's the one um, you have to acquire. Second, wholesome affinities of mutual life giving. So you create a lot of good friends, harmonious relationship with everybody in your life. And three, pure and clear one-pointedness of mind. He said of these three, the most important is pure and clear one-pointedness. Even though one may have accumulated much merit of a good deed and formed wholesome affinities, these can easily become the source of attachment if one does not practice during the one's lifetime. What could be a greater treasure than to purify one's final thought by thoroughly awakening to the principle of coming empty-handed? and going empty-handed. Everybody, coming empty-handed, going empty-handed. 
Alexander the Great conquered many lands and made his country rich. King Alexander was on, crowned at the age of only 20 and died at 33. During the 13 years of his empire, he unified more countries than anyone ever had. However, this great king could not take all the achievements and positions to his tomb when he died. As he was about to die, he said in his will, leave my hands outside of the coffin when I am dead. His attendants were perplexed, not understanding why he left such a will. The king quietly said, I want to show the world that even I, King Alexander, who owned many countries, leaves this world with empty hands. Here is another story in a wisdom book of the Jewish tradition, the Talmud. A man received a summons from a king. He was very nervous and asked his three friends to accompany him. The first friend to whom he felt the closest said, Nope, I cannot go with you. The next close friend said, I can accompany you to the gate of the palace, but that's as far as I can go. The last friend who was not so close to him said, don't worry, I'll go with you and tell the king that you did not do anything wrong. The first closest friend who said nope is your material possessions and career achievements in your life. The second friend who can accompany to the gate is your family. Your family can go to the cemetery, but they cannot follow you along in your death. The last friend who will accompany you even to your death and after your death is your good deeds. Good deeds. In Buddhism, cultivating good deeds throughout our lives is encouraged very much. But at the moment we die, it is critical that we lack of any attachment to these three friends. Three friends, material possessions, families, and friends, and even to our own goodness. Therefore, the pure and clear one-pointed mind is of greater value than any of these three friends, especially at the moment when you leave this world or the moment when you fall asleep. So every night, every day, let's loosen up loosen up our grasping and clinging nature so that we can allow things to flow and flow in our lives. 
if you are struggling with any attachments, try to expand your attachment to a greater love, greater love, not only to your child, not only to one particular person or place. Try to expand to the greater love. You will more fully engage with that world, with the world in that way. So let's celebrate our practice of non-attachment and live free, live free.